Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hi, welcome to the latest Driven Chat Podcast. How are you doing? Um, We've got a bit of a fun one for you. And I think one of the most brilliant things about this is that the calibre of people that you're about to hear from, they're fascinating, they're dynamic, they're quirky and interesting, and they all have two things in common. The first one is they are fabulous artists, and artists can mean anything. It can mean car designer, sculptor, photographer, painter, whatever it might be. The second one is they love their cars, and that's why they're on the Driven Chat podcast. I'm Andy J, and I'm handing you over quite literally to the main pair, John and Amy, because <laughs> uh, these are three conversations. Although I was at the Sleeping With Art, these were recorded at Sleeping Art Exhibition, and you heard from Rio Cam last week, who we all loved. Yeah. And those of you that listened to the radio show as well will have heard from some of our other friends, like Renata Fernandez and Helen Stanley, who were also at the event. Uh, but these are three chats that John and Amy had without me. I was off um, supervising some stuff with the Bentley, which was really fun. You're doing lots of busy things. I was doing lots of busy things. Doing lots of busy things, running around like a blue arsed fly, as they say. Um, But nonetheless, I miss these chats, which I really wanted to be part of, because these are really cool people. You chose three great people. It's one of those things where we said at the start, okay, who's cool? And there were like 70 odd artists there doing lots of different things. And these are just, I mean, there were lots of amazing people that we couldn't talk to as well because we were so busy. But these three are really special. So guys, who have we got? Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll fire straight into them. And the reason we wanted to say a quick hello between, or both before and between each chat, 
Uh, we've got three amazing conversations that you're about to hear. It's because I thought, a bit like we did with Rio Cam last week on last week's podcast, I gave you the opportunity to just have a quick look at his Instagram account whilst we were talking to him. Because, of course, when you're talking to people that create visuals, it's nice to see the visual aspect of what they do. Mm-hmm. And if we were doing a podcast with Amy Shaw Photography, I'd be telling everyone to get onto Amy Shaw Photography's Instagram and have a look because, of course, <laughs> you can see the kind of work we're doing. Yes. So the f- it's, it's also worth saying, just very quickly, John, sorry, and then, yeah, then I'll let it. you give the artist out. Uh, those of you that are kind of listening going, well, hang on, we're here for the cars car service resumes again next week yes uh, and actually there's a very special i don't want to say too much about next week's podcast because i don't want to ramp up too much pressure <laughs> um but it's going to be one with, with a certain blonde member of our f- faculty will be bringing to you from a special facility mm. and i can't wait to hear it and it's very carsy like very carsy if yeah. you if you don't want art carsy is an ne- interesting choice of word <laughs> <laughs> it's very carsy if you heard that out of context well it's got lots of car and car based chat it's quite nerdy mechanical nerdy oil and grease yes all of that jazz anyway yes sorry back to the artist the first artist that you guys are talking to is so it's uh his name is Jean-Yves Tabago, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. I'm sure Jean-Yves will, uh, will tell me if I've not. Um, now, as you'll hear from this conversation, which I won't do too much of a pre-build up because Jean-Yves will tell you the, the story himself. Ex-Williams engineer, and Williams is in the people that build the most iconic racing cars, turned artist, but in between was responsible for building Andy J's favourite Bond car, yeah, the CX-75 <laughs> Jaguar, the baddies car from Spectre. Which is amazing. It is. It is amazing. I, I Like, I really would love, love those to be on the roads. Imagine seeing them everywhere. That'd be yeah. so cool. Absolutely. So we'll dive into that. If you happen to have in your hand your phone or if it's somewhere nearby and providing it's safe to do so, have to say these sort of things, JYT underscore bespoke underscore art. That is the Instagram account to follow. Uh, if you're struggling to find it, go onto the Driven Chat account and you'll see it there. JYT underscore bespoke underscore art and listen to this conversation where you hear about the art that Jean Yves is creating and as well as the amazing involvement in building and running Bond baddie cars. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Well, hello. It's John Markar here and I'm joined by Amy Shaw and we're still here at the amazing Sleeping With Art Festival. Andy J has stepped away to go and do some filming with a rather special Bentley, but we have found a replacement voice. And he's one of the fantastic artists here at the event, Jean-Yves Tabarot, who is an automotive artist, and we're going to focus on that. But the crucial reason why we've grabbed you here, Jean-Yves, is because of your involvement in the automotive world. So you are, in your title, you were the car build manager for Williams, which is a huge job title to have. And you've also done really exciting things in the world of films as well. So firstly, welcome. And thank, thank you. you very much for joining <laughs> thank us. Thank you for accommodating me in your beautiful pod. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is an interesting little space here. Yeah, we're in a pod recording pods at this wonderful art festival. And it's the sun just, is very good too. The sun is good. Yeah, for, for the UK, this is a good September. And we're very happy. We're just going to keep our fingers crossed. It's going to last as long as possible because all of a sudden it's become, going to become autumn and then... That's it. Christmas is here. And, Woo! Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thank you so much for coming along. Well, thank you. So when did you hear about this this festival? And what did you think when you first were told, hey, do you want to have your art in this thing called Sleeping With Art? What did you think? Yeah, we've been talking with Renata. I was one of the first to say yes, actually. Cool. <laughs> Not knowing at all what was involved. but uh, And I like Renata. She's just 
she's fabulous. She's the cool. energy, the, the, yeah. she's so cool. And uh, so I say yes straight away. And But initially it was going to be in July, which worked out quite yes, well. that's right. And now it became obviously back-to-back -back coming back from the revival where I was also exhibiting. So that was a little bit more easy. Yeah. But uh, in a way, all the paintings stayed wrapped up. So um, uh -huh. uh, so it worked out quite well. And I don't live that far, so it's fantastic. And it turns out to be such a good event. Mm. Uh, it really the is. The weather helped, but still. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just uh, such an amazing collection of, you know, we're just walking around the grounds here and we've got... Julian Thompson, the car designer here. We've got Etienne, the previous designer for Bugatti, and he's yeah. now created this incredible new Land Rover uh, Defender, which is just amazing. It's just everywhere you look, there's just really cool people surrounded by really cool cars yeah. and really cool work. It's very nice, it's, very chilled, yeah. and, and a lot of chatting about cars, about art. And that, for me, that's brilliant because that's my life, yeah. car and art and books. And so it, it, it's brilliant not just to talk about cars yeah. this, this is another element to it and uh, that's what makes it different to most car events yeah yeah well for, for people that don't know your art try, mm. how would you describe it um like someone said well uh, there's an artist uh, sadly i don't remember his name uh, someone asked him um, how long did it take you to paint this and he said it took me 70 years oh and wow. uh, even if you clearly took physically probably a month or whatever, but it, everything you do is, is the consequence yes. of everything that's happened before. Yeah. And everything's happened to me before I, I did this as a career is my involvement with so many cars and so many races and so many projects. Uh -huh. And I think I tried to put this into, into my work. Like the, the Jaguar we were talking about, for instance, obviously it's a photo, it's based on a photo I took when I was in Rome. Mm -hmm. The light was magical. Obviously, my photo was nowhere near. You would have done something extraordinary. <laughs> but it was a good enough iPhone photo to inspire me to, and that was what I wanted to capture. I had better photos. I had a unique one, actually. When we finished shooting by the Vatican, the, the little bit where they drift around the Vatican, and I took the car back. So I drove the car back, and the big avenue that I forgot the name that drives up to the Vatican I drove the car up the avenue, which was obviously closed and still empty at yeah. very early in the morning. It was still dark. And I, I'm there on my own. And I'm looking around. I'm like, how many people? Are so I parked the car and I took some photos oh, with the cool. Vatican in the back. I left the lights on the car. And I was just, that was, that was magic. You know, but these, these things, is this magical moment that inspires you. So it inspired me to do that painting. There's one copy at Williams uh, in the uh, reception. Amazing, uh, and it's it, it's the consequence of things that and and my life ever since I'm little. Amazing, he's been, been doing cars and stuff. So just in case anyone sat at home thinking, which film could we be talking about there with the Vatican? <laughs> it's it's quite a it's quite a famous film. So you were involved in the iconic villain car for James Bond Spectre, the CS yeah, seventy five. Yeah, and this was a car. So was this a car that Williams built? Yeah, right. So. Uh, obviously, Williams, it, it's no secret that Williams' involvement in the Jaguar CX-75 yeah, yeah. In, uh, in relation with Jaguar. So, but we built the car at Williams. And then when the movie people decided to use the Jaguar, the villain car, yeah. alongside the DB10, um, then we were asked to build the stunt cars because clearly the original CX wouldn't have no. lasted <laughs> going down steps and jumping. <laughs> so, um, 
and uh, and we started building um, pretty quick, <laughs> designed and built because the design had to be from scratch. Yeah. Um, under the skin, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different car. So it's a kind of a race car. It Amazing. is a race car, yeah. really. Um, a simplified race car with the skin of a, of a Jaguar. Uh, it must be, for me personally, I always think, obviously being involved in a build for a Bond car must be a really cool thing, but then you get to be the villain's car, the baddie. <laughs> I know, I know. It's kind of a bit cooler, isn't it? Like you just That's a bit more special to me than, uh, obviously yeah. the, the DB10 was iconic and, I know that a lot of people spent an awful lot of money on the recreation models it of them. It's beautiful car. Um, but the CX-75 is an interesting one because we did a podcast only two or three months ago now with Ian Callum, who, of course, was the of designer. Course we worked together. Yeah. Now, Ian, in, in the podcast with us, he said, um, we asked the, the, the question of, because, of course, many, many concepts get built that sadly don't make it into production. And we asked the question of which is the car that you really wish went into production. And for him, it was the CX-75. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. very much his design. And if you're familiar with Ian Callum's designs, you, you'll see his styling, his the way that he draws, the way he designs. It's all very much Ian in that car. So, I mean, what a privilege for you to be able to bring that car to life. Yeah, and yeah, in, in the sense that whilst it is a shame, absolutely it is a shame that it wasn't made into a car that we could have gone to Jaguar and purchased, it's a car that we all now know because mm. of that amazing film and it's got a good following you know a yeah. good mm. bunch of fans of that car like all of us are sad that it didn't get made but you completely. know completely completely they are complicated projects you know it's, it's a, it was a very complicated car the original one. yeah very, what very makes it so complicated well, because it's hybrid mm. so the, it had a very powerful um petrol engine uh a, a small four pot uh 1500 1600 turbo but still pushing over 500 horsepower. Yeah. And, um, and then every, and two electric motors, a big battery. So it's fully, I mean, it could be fully electric. Even electric is quite fast. Mm. And um, so, yeah, they are complicated cars. You know, there was 13 radiators for cooling various things. Wow. So all this, you know, pipe work, electric work, it was incredibly all carbon. Everything was obviously the tub. So yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was designed like a like a race car and like a supercar, which is now more common. But then there was still not that many cars to the extreme. I mean, we were doing the car the same time as Porsche was doing the the nine one eight. We're developing roughly at the same time. Yeah, and um, sadly, we were actually almost more advanced than Porsche at some point wow. in in terms of finalizing the development of the prototype. Uh, we even got compliments from the German guys at Bosch saying how good our prototypes were. Wow. So let's go back to that time where the car has been selected as the villain car. Who makes that decision? Would that have been... That was entirely Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes, amazing. Yeah. So he it saw the car and said, right, that's So we the went to Pine. Again, I was lucky to be involved in that. I was on my own with the car yeah. and some lovely people from, um, from Jaguar. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them, one of which works for Ian Cullum now, actually. Uh, and... We took the car to Pinewood. The DB10 was there, the very first DB10. We parked the, the Jag. Sam Mendes came in a big hangar, mm -hmm. the Bond hangar, whatever. And he said, okay, leave me alone with the cars. Everybody walked up. But everyone oh, wow. was there. I mean, Barbara Broccoli was there, the producers, everyone. Yeah. He said, I want some time alone with the car. So we went in the canteen. And then <laughs> we got a phone call. And he said, I'll take it. Wow. <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> literally that what's happened the first meeting and then the second meeting we went again to choose the color yeah. so jaguar did some amazing samples 
painted curved panels with different colors that they selected, pre-selected, and then they choose the, they pre-selected a couple, they took them to Rome, they flew to Rome with the samples to check them in the street lights, oh, wow. see what it looks like, because That's it was all cool. going to be filmed at night, well, yeah, as you know. Of course, yeah. And these lights are very specific, you know, these yellow mm-hmm. street lights. To decide which color would work best, I'm sure they did a bit of sample filming, mm. and, and, they, and they went for the orange. Very well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I have to, I have to know what is the process in making a film car because I think so many of us at home would just assume that you would take, in usual circumstances, a car that's either already in production or about to be in production, and that's easy because you just take four, five or six yeah. from a production line. There you go. There's your film cars. You go away and film them. But ultimately, you had a car that wasn't being made. It was. So you had and, to. And the original car, obviously, we, there was no way we could destroy them. Oh, it was yes. testing. Them. Yeah. And, and they were not obviously suited for the job because we already had some of the script that he was going to go down the steps, he was going to uh-huh. jump a wall, he was going to hit some motorcycle on the side, he was going yeah. to go up the wall uh, by the river. And obviously a, a normal car would not be able to do that. So, um, But immediately after the meeting where they said, yes, we have the car, we had a big meeting. So luckily everyone is in Pinewood. So, mm-hmm. you know, the stunt guys, the, the producers, the... So we had a big meeting around the table and they say, all right, let's kick it, basically. And yeah. they say, we need uh, five stone cars by Christmas. Oh, wow. And when, what time? I sunk under the table when he said that. <laughs> wow. And how, what was that space of time? When did they make the decision to take That was in September. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> it was kind of now, yeah. But yeah. that seem, always seems to be the way of film and yeah, the, the film is. industry. It's like, yeah, can I have this massive thing next week, yeah, please? Yeah. Thank you very much. Why can't you do it? Kind of attitude. They have no limits. No. Yeah. They have no limits, whether it's uh, ideas or, or vision yeah. or whether it's budget or, mm, you know, sure. especially that sort of movie, of course. Uh, and And... They're not used to be told no. No, of course. It doesn't exist. I mean, in motor racing, it's rare, but in movie. Yeah, of course. It will cost you a million, okay? And, you know, it is just... And how does it work with with that side of things? Do they say, we'll give you some money up front to build them? Or do they say, right, you go away and build them, we'll pay you later? I I can't imagine... This is is out of my... Of my skills or you know, my involvement, but yeah. obviously um, the Jaguars and the Astons were supplied by Jaguar and uh-huh. Aston Because, of course, it's the biggest advert for them yeah. ever, yeah, really, yeah. isn't it? It's and a- there's a bunch of people, they're based in Pinewood, and what they, their job is, uh, is product placement. Yeah. They're very well connected, and they, they can, they basically link the two together, and, yeah. and they place that product, and then it's up to, to Jaguar and, and us, in that case, to, to supply Wow. So you get pressure from both sides, from, from our <laughs> customer and from the, the movie uh, production. And with all the crazy requirements that they need, it's not just five cars, but one of them is a pod car, you know, when they yeah. drive from the top. That's something else. Um, so the pod car, we build the car so it could have a pod, but the, the pod itself was done by the, the guys from the from the. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. Um, because they've done that few times and is that a, is that where the, the actual driver is sat separately yeah. to the car yeah, so they're on, on top. top of a he frame drives, he drives on top and the actor is inside so the podcast is only used for the actor yeah the actor doesn't know where he's going i mean no he's in the ca- no but he's got he's big a camera in front of you yeah. he's got yeah. camera on the side there's screens there's lights it's the car is entirely surrounded by something whether it's a screen yeah. or it's a light panel that changes of Cameras everywhere. I don't know about you, but I think I'd get very, very travel uh, sick in that. Yeah, <laughs> quite ner- I, I was lucky. I, I, Mark Higgins took me uh, in uh, at the test track. He took me in the podcast. Oh, I was wow. doing donuts and things. It's, <laughs> you don't know where. And you keep turning the wheel, you know, because if you oh, are, <laughs> it doesn't do anything. That's hilarious. Because it's almost like a roller coaster ride, but you can't. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. least with a roller coaster, you can usually see where you're going. You, yeah. Your brain almost expects where you're going to go. Even with the, you know, you, you can expect what's going to happen. But the minute oh, you've got cool. somebody else completely taking so control weird. of the car that you are in the driver's seat of with all the, you know, the gearing and the, the steering wheel in front of you, that must be very unnerving. <laughs> it's so strange, yeah. <laughs> especially when you know how difficult it is to drive the pod car. Because yeah. it's not a direct, it's not like the same steering wheel. No. So it's an hydraulic thing. So of course. It's a very yeah. strange link yeah, to detached. the wheel. It's not yeah. completely direct. And But these guys are so skilled. They yeah. drive pod cars all the time and they know what to do with yeah. them. Which... When you're doing certain stunts like, you know, driving down the steps, do you think, okay, we'll try and make sure that this car can do that stunt a number of times? Because obviously you've only, yeah. you've only got five cars and the amount uh, of stunts that you do and the amount of times it might take to try and do them. Like, is it a, a case of you trying to get that one shot in one shot or do you have to do it a number of attempts? We did it five times. The steps uh, one? With the same car. With the same car. Oh, wow. And the car was okay? We broke the first time. <laughs> so we had car lines up at the top yeah. in yeah. case... He could have end up, ended up in the river, which yeah. he nearly did on the first time because Whoa. the car broke. Well, he hit the wall slightly, mm. broke the drive shaft and a bit of the suspension. But when you're flying down the steps, you don't know if it's broken or not. Of course, or yeah. it's just noise, isn't it? And then at the end, he was a little bit out of control and the river was very close. So, <laughs> and, But the car was broken and we had to drive it back up. There was a little path that oh, you wow. can drive back up. But it was a broken drive shaft parked next to the river. Right. So... The stunt manager, Gary, Gary Powell, lovely chap, mm-hmm. uh, said, okay, send another car. And we're like, oh my God, we're going to break four, five yeah, cars tonight. In this one shot. Yeah. So I nearly got in trouble. I stepped out. I said, we can change the drive shot before you guys all reset with your cameras. Mm-hmm. You go half an hour. So went to the mechanic, guys, you go half an hour to change the drive shot. <laughs> oh, it's not popular on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and the Tiber... Had a, had a bit of a flood. There was, there's been a lot of rain before, so the water was actually coming yeah. almost like a tide. Oh, wow. And the mechanic had like the water coming behind him, and he was like, "No." Oh, so they were fixing the car on the side. We of the had river. to wow. because we had to drive wow. it back up. Oh, so, so it's we had to yeah. fix it. There was no way to drive it back up, 
And, and to drive it back up, you had to sort of jump the first step and then and then drift it around the corners because it was so tight. Wow. <laughs> so you don't burn the clutch. and the, it was It's one of these things where we all watch those amazing car chases. Mm. And of course, the Bond franchise is just fantastic for car chases. Every single Bond film is an amazing car chase. And you watch these things. You never really consider that one scene, so the, the, the running down the stairs scene might have been four or five seconds of actual footage. Yeah, but to yeah. think that there's one or two entire evenings of filming, the potential of destroying five cars, having to fix a car that breaks on the first run. I, d I have to ask, so at the end of filming, with all the different stunts, how many of the cars were in a state where they were actually drivable? Well, they were sort of okay. Okay. All of them. Yeah, okay. the body works. Obviously, we went through sure. a, a little bit of body work. And as you know, the final scene, the Jag is on fire. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that body work was quite burnt. And But the cars were okay. I mean, they, they, they run now. Some people own them. I don't know how many, but yeah. Yeah, they've been obviously refurbished a little bit. We burned clutches a lot Yeah, uh, because it was a race car, because, because of the limited amount of time we had to make decisions mm. of what gearbox and to use, etc. for practicality and... Um, we went through more clutches than anybody <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> How many uh, clutches do you reckon you went through in the making of the film? God, I, I can't even count. Honestly, wow. it was several a night. Oh, a, oh, night. a night! Yeah, yeah, My yeah. goodness me! So what, we changed like them in the day, so we filmed that night and mend the cars in the day. <laughs> it was a fantastic team. Yeah, I'm seeing the day mending everything that was damaged. So before I go to bed, I used to send like a job list yeah. to the guys in the day. Did it start with, I'm really sorry, but <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and, and the first job was change a clutch on yeah. and change reverse gear and stuff like that. And so the team, that, that engineering team, the mechanics, would they be Williams racing engineers? Yeah. Wow. So there was a big a big team, obviously a team from, from the movie um, uh, special effects yeah. uh, department, mending mostly... Some of the nondescript car, like mm -hmm. the little mini, you know, that he pushes and yeah, you have to course. prepare that. Oh, yes, yeah, so the old that man, right? <laughs> was so funny. He was a stuntman. Really? Well, the old guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, I mean, th that thing, they practiced for nearly one day because wow. what they did to, because the street was so narrow, yeah. you know, and kind of short, really, and cobbles and nights, and it's just at the back of the Vatican. And to push the car like this and make it, so they had like a, uh, hook at the back of the right of the um, of, of the, the mini the, sorry the fiat 500 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yes. right and a that's hook at the, at the front of the the aston and then he, and then once they clip on he can, they it. can they stay together wow. otherwise you know it, it would be extremely difficult to, yeah. to do that especially in that little street i mean practice we practice that on the test track and it's fine but you yeah know, but it's aiming for the hook and then keep going i mean there's so many things like that you know? how many yeah thinking about that the practicing side of things are these stunts practiced a lot on test tracks before yeah are only thing are there ever any things that can only be done i don't know like there's yeah some of it like hitting the 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 mopeds you know yeah. when he because mm. of the corner yes, hits yes. the mopeds um you do that then you know uh, we only did two takes for that. It was really oh, yeah. good. one of the takes, one moped just really flew up in the air, and the director's like, "Yeah, we did that one." Uh, the the second unit director uh, and uh, photographer were, were fantastic. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, they they were extraordinary, very professional. That's what they do mostly: second unit chase, yep. you know, and stuff. Um, they were incredibly efficient. Alexander Witt, uh, he's done Pirates of the Caribbean and also. Mm. Very, very nice people. Um, so, yeah, but the 
jumping off the wall. We did that then, when mm. he when he comes off the wall. That's right, and he goes. And is it an Alfa Romeo or something? The, he chops yeah, the top he chopped off. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's in, that's funny as well. And, uh, <laughs> but this no, we practice jumps. Yeah, um, we practice the jump and we develop the suspension uh, with the very clever people at XTC uh, suspension to 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 do the best jump. So mm. not easy to jump a car properly, you know. No, of course, especially when you go narrow street to land in. Mm. So, uh, but when you practice, practice jumping, not practice jumping in a small street of Rome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that worked fine. I mean, that was, that was one take. Wow. That was one take, I think. Incredible. Be- mostly because of the roof of the Alpha that, that's it, when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, uh, of course. You can't really weld it back on and hope for the best. No, because that was obviously prepped and yeah. attached mm-hmm. to a crane and all sorts of things. But, um, are oh, fascinating fascinating they they are very clever people and, and the good thing with bond everything what you see happened yeah there's no cgi that's no yeah. that's right and i think it's so easy to assume especially with some of those really tight back street bits of footage you think oh that must be so dangerous so it must be easier just to do it in computer generated imagery but no go out and actually make it make it happen is this the the first time you were in the film world yeah or? yeah okay. some of our technicians did um casino Royale and yeah, uh, yeah. So they were used to, they were with the Aston at the time and destroying Astons. <laughs> but, um, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre job, isn't it? When you're responsible for building amazing cars that are immediately then going to be destroyed. <laughs> I know, I remember one of the chap that worked with us, uh, Williams, he was involved in, uh, is it, was it Casino Royale or the one after, um, where when he was asked to take a little hammer and punch some holes in the bodywork. Oh, for bullet to make holes. the bullets. Oh, oh my cool. god! And you're like, okay. <laughs> it's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Apologising every time. I'm so sorry, bang. <laughs> but they, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's so much involved, and you think, why do they have so many people? But they all have a job, and they all have something very important to do. Yeah, continuity, and mm. you know, you guys filming, so continuity is super important. That's right. Mm. If the That's cars right. hit the moped, so it's damaged. Yes. That damage needs to be carried to all the scenes that actually happen after that's that. right mm-hmm. sometimes it's filmed before you know so it's very yeah yeah just the thought it's process incredible it's yeah. really the writing yeah. process and the preparation is is it's very impressive operation yeah i've got to say and i've done formula one i've done but movies it's quite something yeah especially bond way it's analog it's there it mm. happens, of course of course know. so in your time with williams you were the car build manager for williams that's obviously a, the, the cx75 of the bond film is a huge accolade to have what else would we know you for what what other involvement in Williams so my last involvement at advanced engineering was um the singer working with singer on the dls of course uh sadly i left before uh the first real dls as you know it the Mm. first prototypes were finished but involved in the um in the mule car that we all know that gray car that's Mm -hmm. a well battered. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good car. That's a fantastic car because it's got everything, really. It just looks different. <laughs> so that, that was quite uh, quite uh, intense too, but very, very interesting. Yeah, I bet. And now you're predominantly art. Yeah, that, that's that. And how's that transition been for you? Is it... Uh... Well, it was smooth enough that I was doing a bit before anyway. Sure. So when I was at Williams, I was starting painting stuff and... And selling, luckily, thanks to the lovely chapa Octane, who gave me my first real Octane and lovely. step. Big, big lovers of Octane. Thank you, David Lillywhite. <laughs> Thank you, David Lillywhite, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, David, yeah, was the first to, to sort of 
give me a little promotion, which right. was very lovely, and um, and it's people still talking about it. So that, that was very nice. You know, that first step. That's mm. what you need. You know, oh, uh, yeah. sometimes you need one of these in life. I think, and especially definitely. when it comes to art and, and anything creative, it's very difficult to to get your foot in the door. I suppose yeah. without those people that do help you with the like a leg up, because yeah, it's um yeah, it's just trying to. To trying to get there really I guess mm. and I think that's what's great about sleeping with art as well as that it's giving all of these artists an initial and leg up because so yeah. Yeah, yeah. people you know it's also I, I don't know about you but being a photographer as well the the th people say to me okay hey, why don't you come and shoot this thing for me it'd be great exposure for you and you're like it's it's hard that you don't want to be like yeah. ungrateful. You're like, yes, I do love the exposure, but I also do need to pay my bills. So, yeah. but there's that very fine line between thinking actually, no, this is good for both of us, and trying to yeah see, see what works. Yeah. So when you have got people like David Lillywhite, once Octane now Magneto, um, it's it's those people that think actually this is a great what I consider a true collaboration. So yeah. I guess for yourself as well that it's it's wonderful that you could have worked in a in a world where you've been able to meet a lot of these people and just be able to produce something that you love and then have people that want to help you out and say, hey, let me Exactly. Let me and see we, if I can we, show this. we met with David on the the bond, uh, you know, when the journalists were testing the cars and he did his uh, his paper on the on the bond cars once they were released to the public and, and to the journalists. That's how we met. And we had a lovely day in uh, in Fenend, you know, the Jag yeah, uh, testing track. Very close to where I live. Um, so we did quite a bit in Fenend also, and uh, it's quite a nice day actually. It is. And um, the 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 tent with all the classic cars is yeah. phenomenal. Uh, so that's how we met, and we just stayed in touch. And you know, it's finding life when you're honest. You know, when you're honest with about what you do, who yeah. you are, and then you people enjoy sharing and. Being alongside uh, that's it that's Lord. something we often talk about on the podcast is there's a lot of our listeners um we have a lot of younger listeners teenagers early 20s a lot of people at the very beginning of their career and this industry whether you're going into it from a design point of view engineering artistic pr social media yeah. photography it can be so daunting and it can be so difficult to to work out how to succeed in this industry but everything you've just said there makes perfect sense and this is something i've said time and time again the, the art of being interested and interesting is often all you ever need to be. Mm. If you're a good person and you do good work, you will attract the attention of other good people that do good work. And whilst it can seem so vast and so broad and so daunting, ultimately, it's a really small community of people where everybody kind of knows everybody else. There's two degrees of separation between every single person in this industry. So what you've just said there is, is a perfect example of what we constantly preach here. And it's just go into it with an open mind, do, do a good job and be a positive person and Absolutely. be engaging and, and interested. And the rest goes back to what I said, easy. you know, it took me 50 years to paint these things because yeah. it's the evolution of what I've been doing. You know, I've been in, I worked on, I did my apprenticeship on Ferraris and, yeah. you know, and which is where my heart is. <laughs> Still is. But, um, but yeah, it's it's the evolution of life, you know, yeah. and I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Yeah, you know, you yeah, that's, absolutely. That's where it takes you, so you have to ride it. So, what is that? Um, before we round things up, what is that? Um, firstly, what do you drive on the road? You might have more than one car, but what what's the car that you enjoy? And also, if I could ask you to set a uh, a top three, and I know that's an impossible question to ask any true petrol head, <laughs> because of course. If I said pick a top hundred, you still struggle. But top three cars that you find really special, any age, and 
What's your daily car? What do you enjoy driving? So one of them, I'm like Chris Harris. Uh-huh. I'm a big fan of the Passat Estate B5. Really? <laughs> oh, the B5, right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And, oh, joke about but that's my workhorse. Uh-huh. I, will, I don't want to get rid of it. Perfect. I drive a 911. Yeah. Kind of daily, really. I, I drive my Porsche all the time. I go to my printer with it. I deliver paintings with it when they fit. And, Perfect. And that's, uh, so that's my cars. And the Norland Rover. Yes. I've had Great. many, many Land Rovers. <laughs> I, that's my ninth, I think. So Series 2s. Brilliant. Two oh, cool. Yeah, I've yeah. many of them. The first car I bought when I moved to England is by Land Rover. Yes. I always say, I'm going to ah. buy a Land Rover. <laughs> and it was a rainy day, very rainy day, in the middle of nowhere in Coventry, and I had to drive through the country lanes. I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> kind of nearly the first time I was driving on the on the other side of the road or in this old Land Rover. My God. Yeah, they're not quite responsive with the steering. So oh if you're on the God. wrong side of the road and heavy and rain, it was, it's... Oh, my God. The wipers. <laughs> yeah. like, and, uh, and yet you kept them. And then I kept it for years, yeah. And... Um, and then uh, now we just and my daughters are the biggest fans of oh, Land Rover now, and because they grew up with them, you know, they were like brothers. So um, yeah, so that's my yeah Land Rover, nine eleven. Like I said, my heart beats with Ferrari because mm. of my involvement when I was young. Yeah. So a three hundred eight GT four oh, is my beautiful. is my yeah. next thing. Okay. I hope yeah to get one. Get I, one now I, before they start. Really, because they are going uh, they up already, in value. They already, my, yeah. um, my first boss, uh, who was my mentor when I was young, is Philip Gardet. There's oh, a yeah. lovely, lovely video on Petrolicious uh, about him, actually, now. Mm. Yeah. And he, what a legend. And, uh, yeah, and it's about his 308 GT4, mm. actually, that he's just restored. And, uh, and I drove one when I was a kid, when I was 18. This first car I drove after I got my license. He said, there you go, let's take this. So... <laughs> And it's always been, I love that car. Just, it's, it's had up and downs in terms of popularity, but now it's definitely, yeah, so that, that'd be the top three. Fantastic. Love that. <laughs> so if anyone's listening, they want to look at your work, I've got your Instagram handle here and it's definitely worth checking you out. It's nice and easy. JYT underscore bespoke underscore art. Get on Instagram and have a look at Jean Yves's fantastic collection of work. Thank you. Um, really, really fascinating to have you here. If you haven't already started writing a book, let me give the recommendation that you do <laughs> and the title should be something about I destroyed the only Jaguar that didn't get made. So it's, it's a working title. I was quite lucky to drive them a lot as well. Yeah. The stunt cars, they were absolutely bonkers. Right. I mean, the, the, the drifting, the guys were the balls to drift them around the Vatican. Mm. That's made. pretty cool. Because that was quite so, on cobbles, wet cobbles. Yeah. That was quite special. Uh, but uh, luckily I only drove them on, on tracks and, you know, yeah, drifting and doing stuff good fun amazing you have the best job yeah it's pretty cool cool. i like what i do now i really enjoy it awesome lovely customers good stuff well we're going to get back inside and i think we should go and have a look at some of your art we will put some pictures of that up on our instagram as well so you can enjoy john eves's work and uh, yeah in the meantime thank you so much for joining us it's been fascinating talking to you well thanks a lot for inviting me pleasure nice speaking to you guys I hope you enjoyed that because next up we've got a very exciting artist called Johnny Ambrose. And if you wanted to follow along to this, his Instagram is johnnyambrose.autoart. Now, Johnny creates these incredible sculptures from all different types of material. And I mean, just skimming through visually what you can see now on his, his feed are little sculptures or these almost wire creations and i mean john you love johnny as well so mm. how would how would you describe his art 
Yeah, it's as you'll hear in this conversation, the thing I really love about it is it doesn't actually have to take the physical form of a car. You're not necessarily looking at a sculpture of a car exactly as you expect to see it, like a scaled down version. It might be structural shapes, it might be side profiles, it might be top down views, really quite striking sculptures. But the kind of thing where you look at, you instantly know what it is. So it's really, really cool. So yeah, we wanted to dive into ask Johnny a bit about his processes, what he thinks about his style, his conforming uh, abilities when he was at art college and not necessarily always playing by the rules. <laughs> but hey, look at him now. He's making amazing stuff. So yeah, johnnyambrose.autoart is the account if you want to have a little look whilst we have a chat with, with him now for this section of the podcast. Let's dive in and enjoy. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Welcome to another section of our Sleeping With Art podcast where we are sat in our pod I don't feel like we've given enough description of, but if you imagine, as we were saying before we hit the record button, it's a bit like a monorail cabin. And Amy was talking about how she often parks in very swanky airports where she then has to look at other people riding in these pods. Mm -hmm. It looks like one of those, doesn't it? Yeah, or like one of those, what is it, the skiing things where you get go skiing and you get oh, taken, the, the lifts. The very big skiing. The really yeah. big ones, yeah, the, but yeah. like tiny the version. Expensive resort. Yeah. 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 Or this could also be one of those expensive resort things that you see in like Norway where you end up sleeping in the snow and under the stars. Yeah. One of those things, but yeah, uh, yeah it feels definitely. quite It's nice like it nature. could be up in the tree canopy. Mm -hmm. You could kind be. of think, I hope they've secured it properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the lovely voice of Johnny Ambrose. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me here. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, Pleasure. Now, Johnny, we were discussing before, as John said, hit the record button. We were trying to figure out how to define your job title. <laughs> and I think we ended up on all-round artist. All-round artist, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm just an artist, I guess. And uh, uh, But uh, I love so making sculpture. You're just an artist, yeah. Yeah, I love working in 3D um, mm. rather than just 2D. I tried 2D and I, I tried painting, but I, I just hate that kind of like brush not being a definite thing so you know um, 3d things working wood and metal and carbon fiber you know they're actual tactile objects yeah. that you can you know um create with and make lots of mess generally yeah well the, the thing that jumped out to me as we when we arrived to the event yesterday was this beautifully huge you'll tell me the dimensions in a second i'm sure but a porsche 917 that's made out of I looked at it and thought it's almost like, and forgive me for this, Johnny, because this is a this is a big undersellment. But do you remember Connects, where you had yes. the little junctions of um, different angles where you could connect the long strands? It's like that, but it's carbon fiber, aluminium, and three D printed individual yeah. knuckles. What yeah. would you call them? Are they connections? 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the different. Obviously, not trademark connections whatever this isn't available <laughs> in the shops um this is uh yeah it's all bespoke and if i'd pro if i'd known how much work it would have been when i started um i might have had second thoughts but halfway through you know there's no going back it's like got to see this through got yeah. to see this through but uh many hours in front of uh on in cad staring into a screen and making my eyes go do lally um doing all the separate in connections um so all the aluminium and carbon fiber rods match up exactly you know with accuracy and oh. um and yes it's uh lots of head scratching at times <laughs> but that's mainly to do with the sheer number of parts you know it's probably about two thousand parts so it's wow. yeah. it's almost like well a two thousand piece jigsaw but slightly more interesting yeah and i mean it worked because of course as soon as i arrived and saw the 
the sculpture outside on the on the big table you've got, I immediately said, "Oh wow, look at nine seventeen Mm. So it was recognisable to me. Yeah, it does help that I'm a huge geek, obviously. But it was <laughs> definitely, we all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all recognised it as a, as one of the iconic Le Mans racing cars from Porsche, and um, it looks fantastic. So how long did it take? So I'm assuming. So just to describe this to the listeners, if you want to have a look at it, we've put a, a photo of it recently on our Instagram. If you'd like to have a look at it, you've got strands of carbon fibre rods mm-hmm. and aluminium rods yeah and then you've 3d printed the connections that then these do they slot into or are they clipped into yes they they slot into but it's uh to to go into the fine detail it, it, each uh, connection has got a, a kind of star joint on with kind of tiny flanges which kind of give a little bit so they kind of hold the rod in place got you. that's the real detail <laughs> um, but uh, uh but generally um yes the chassis is all in aluminium and then the body and the wheels are all in black carbon fiber so it's got that uh mix of uh, silver and black if you like so that you can read one next to the other but uh, i kind of like creating structures like that and, and 3d in general because as you move around a work yeah. it, you see you know you see a different composition of lines so um so it's it's you can't always just see it all in one go if you like you can obviously if you yeah. stand yeah. back but it's almost like being in the front row of a cinema screen where it's like you're trying to see the screen in one mm-hmm. um but uh yeah it's it's a maze it's a maze of lines as you've seen um, when you're so looking at your sculptures it's fascinating being here at sleeping with art because the sun is thankfully out and so we yeah. can have a look at your pieces outside as as well as inside but also interesting for me on, on the, the the ones inside you have these certain shafts of light that are coming through some of the windows mm-hmm. and the way that light hit your sculpt hits your sculptures as well is that something you ever think about when you're designing these things literally the the, the thinking when people look at these where am i going to have light like for me when taking pictures i'm chasing light all the time is that something that you do and how you're thinking these, your pieces are going to be displayed. Is that something that's yes. thought process? Yes, I, t- I try to do that. It, it, you know, obviously, um, I didn't know the venue before I c- came here other than what was on the website. But um, uh, I tried to display them so that um, they're either got good views beyond or c- a clearish background so you can see the form, you can see the silhouette of the piece because we you know we can see a car from a distance we instantly recognize what it is because we're all geeky aren't we i, mm. I don't feel too bad <laughs> um but so it's kind of trying to create that so it's um it's instantly kind of readable but as you get close to the work you know you can kind of see the depth mm-hmm. but um yeah seeing the the light behind it that's kind of nice so you can see it from both sides all around it and but um with the finishes of some of the materials i try to get it so that the light bounces and causes shadows and um and so it's that kind of play of the actual um physical form versus the shadows that it creates cool some of your pieces remind me and i don't know if this is coincidence or this is what's thought of but when people used to create the classic um, bodies over, you know, before they created the body, they used to create the book, the wooden yeah. book. And oh, so yeah, yeah. when you had your, what looks like, if, if people don't know what a book is, it's basically a, I don't know, maybe a number of different uh, profiles. Of, like if you take cross, cross sections of yeah, a, of a car. Sections. And then the idea is that people roll and fabricate these sheets of metal over these books. And your sculpture, Johnny, also remind me of that because a lot of them, sorry, not a lot of them, some of them are made from almost these slats of these these um, profiles yeah. of cars. Is that something that came from inspiration from, from, from these original car making 
techniques yeah. or, or how do they come about? Yeah, very much so. I, as um, I, I've always thought of bucks as sculptures in themselves. Mm, and, they are, and obviously some of them have been exhibited. Um, some of the uh, Italian coach builders ones have been put on plinths. I think there's a wooden, there's a wooden buck for the modulo, the Ferrari modulo. Um, and also um, at the um, underneath the skin, the Ferrari mm-hmm. um and the skin uh, exhibition at yeah, the design museum they had the um shark nose buck there mm-hmm. and some others and yeah i spent longer looking at that than the actual cars because that's mm-hmm. what interests me it's mm-hmm. to see how how they were constructed but yeah very much so the the ones which have the longitudinal planes it's to try and capture that kind of streamlined effect of the car which and i think breaking it into longitudinal sections um uh, aids that kind of um not just the streamlining, but the elegance of the form as well. So it's kind of uh, just um, manipulated so that it's made even more elegant. Or, and I, it's, I, I kind of like um, aerodynamics or imagining what the airflow would be doing. So it's kind of aids that and kind of makes it sleeker and, in my mind anyway, more elegant. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. And also going with the aerodynamics, some of your other pieces, uh, people should really just be like scrolling through your website or your Instagram <laughs> when we're chatting this because then they can they can see what we're talking about. But yeah, r- radio is great for describing visual art, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but if some of the pieces that the idea of airflow is um, you have like the car on one side of uh, or you know, your your your, sub- uh, your um, sculpture of the car on one side of your piece and then you almost have these these long um, waves of, of material that come off of the back of the car, yeah. I guess, to, to represent airflow. Is that correct? You're yeah, correct? yeah. It's um, So I kind of uh, always been interested in aerodynamics and, uh, and when aerodynamics was becoming a thing, certainly in F1, you know, with the early Adrian Newey designs in, in the um, early 90s. And this, was, this coincided when I was doing um, a fine art degree kind of thing. And... And uh, and I was creating all these kind of swoopy sculptures then, quite big ones as well. But I don't think my tutors kind of got what was in my <laughs> mind anyway, and they thought, "Oh, it's, it's not fine art enough, maybe." Um, but um, yes, with the airflow imagined behind it in in kind of strips of wood, um, that which is steam bent. So um, I. Uh, I went to, to a guy who does a lot of steam bending thing and his work is shown at the Chelsea Flower Show every year in these amazing constructions. And steam bending is an ancient art, um, goes back to ancient um, boat construction, very simple boat construction. But um, it just it just softens the molecular structure in the wood so you mm-hmm. can um, bend it around quite acute um, angles or jigs um, and you can twist it as well. And, and by twisting, them are kind of imagining that's what the vortices of the air is doing behind so it's it's not a direct representation of what the air is that any any cfd um um person who works in f1 would laugh at it and go that's not right but i don't care it's, it's a great it's, thing it's, with art is that yeah, you, you, it's, it's artistic license you can do whatever exactly, you want yeah <laughs> yeah i use the artistic license <laughs> so you mentioned your um Let's go back to the the studying days and your tutors maybe not quite understanding your vision of of what you yeah. were, what you were hoping to achieve, and I know that this is something we often talk about on on the podcast we have on the radio show as well, where we have a lot of listeners who are of an age where they're still studying, they're still a point, at a point in their life where they're looking ahead to a career that they're looking to go into, um, and as somebody that studied art myself, I remember kind of being stuck in that same situation of I often had these ideas and these visions and these concepts in my mind. But because it didn't necessarily conform with what 
the tutors were mm. trying to push us along with, I often find, found myself almost getting shot down a little bit. Can you cast your mind back to that era and think, did, was the vision strong enough for you to go, trust me, I know what I'm doing here. I know this is going to work. Or was there a bit of having to conform and then finding your own way later on? Um, to a degree, to a degree. Uh, I think I was, I was quite lucky that um, actually I had uh, one really great tutor who, who was very um, supportive mm. and, and, but made me think also and think about um, ways of changing things, which I wouldn't, you know, that's part of learning, isn't it? Mm. Um, but also I, I, I kind of, I've always been a kind of person that, once I have an idea, I have to kind of try and push it through to completion mm. and it might be wrong at the end of it, but you learn from those kind of mistakes along the way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a kind of determination to just do what ideally I want to do and not compromise um, if possible. You have to make compromises to yeah, a certain degree, particularly if we're on commissions. Absolutely. But I get the most uh, satisfaction from doing um, pieces, which I want to do. Sure. And I want to do it in a particular way, which is, um, you know, the, the, the large 917 is the result of that. It's just like I wanted to do that, even though it's um, taken a lot of time. Yeah. Did you say before I saw you just on the, the the first day of the event, so yesterday morning, and you, I think you said you were up until the early hours. Yeah. Just before it got here, <laughs> <laughs> piecing yeah. it together. Yeah, yeah. I kind of laugh. Um, uh, uh, unfortunate at, uh, you know, the just-in-time yeah. Kind of industries <laughs> that are floundering uh, now, but uh, yes, it, I'd like to say it was all planned to perfection. <laughs> but uh, you know, when you're doing a bespoke build and it's something that it's a process which you haven't done that particular process through on such a scale before, you kind of added contingency. But um, yes, so 1 a.m. I completed it on the morning of the show, <laughs> three hours. <laughs> up at five to get here in order to um, get it on the plinth um, in time. When it comes to, you know, the the pieces that you do create, at the moment, or the ones we've seen here, are all a similar kind of size. They're not really any bigger than this this large Mm. table. Would you ever like to, like, would you ever play with size in your art? Like, would you like to be able to create something very, very tiny or, in comparison, something so much 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 bigger than the what the original subject might be like what yeah. kind of do you think about some when you're thinking about the future of your art i suppose is what is there anything that you're thinking oh, i'd love to have a go at doing that one day yeah absolutely it's one of the uh, a, a big inspiration for me has uh, from the very first um goodwood event um because that was local to where i grew up and um just seeing the first jerry judah sculpture in front of the house there and yeah. it's like Wow. You know, and and um, that is what is inspiring for me. W- w- things which kind of make you stop and look again mm. and think, how was, you know, how, just how, you know, you just left speechless. So, um, so things like that, uh, I'd love to do something on that scale in the future, certainly. And I was chatting to someone and like you mentioned with the works, which are the car and then the flowing um, steam bent wood behind it. Mm. I'd love to do, um, say, with the Lotus Avaya, which mm, I think yeah. is a fantastic yes. design, fantastic with the, with the tunnels through it. And it's a, similar to the Valkyrie, which you can, and this is what I mean about imagining the airflow. It's just like you can see what uh, the initial um, design ethos from Adrian Newey was in that, with the Valkyrie. But 
with the Avaya, I want to, I'd love to do something like that where you've got the car form, but then you've got the streaks of wood on a grander scale flowing through the sculpture, mm. you know, something like that. And I will do that. Um, you could almost have it as just the aerodynamic vortices. So just the effect yeah. of downforce, you almost cancelling out the need to show the car in any way. It's like a negative space car with just yeah. the, yeah. the airflow. Because I am always fascinated by um, looking at downforce cars racing in the rain. Because that's, yes. that's one of the only times, unless you see a, the car in a wind tunnel environment, where you actually see what downforce is doing. Mm. And it throws water yeah. almost vertically in some spots. Absolutely. These huge rear wings or front splitters and front, front wings on uh, downforce cars, like Formula One cars. And you see this dramatic movement of water. And I always think, I wonder if there's a way that that could be captured somehow. Because yeah. it, do, it does look so fantastic. Yeah, it, absolutely. And, that is, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because that... Um, and loving F1 and seeing mm. those uh, those classic shots of uh, particularly the old wings, which used to throw up these massive kind of twists of like air, yeah. but only shown up in the rain. That's it's it. almost like, um, um, yeah, it'd be invisible normally. Yeah. But it's like, wow, what is that? What? And, and then it gets your mind racing and to think well, what else is happening in which you can't yeah. see normally. So do you ever having so much inspiration from such a variety of, of corners of the, the world and automotive world do you ever feel like you have to stick to a certain style or do you feel you have got the freedom to be able to change what your work looks like like from, from my own photography i think okay i'm now known for this style i better stick to that because that's what works mm. do you ever feel the same or do you have a, have a much better f- feeling of freedom at all um yeah i'd i'd like to think i have the kind of freedom and, and, and actually i've thought about this and um i mean my work, I suppose, is evolving all the time because I, I have numerous ideas and I think, well, that is too far from removed from what I'm doing now. And it's kind of like, how how, how can I link that to the work I'm doing currently? And um, But equally, I don't want to um, just do the same thing over and over um, uh, and repeat the, the same um, style it within you know so i try to mix and match say materials or um or, or various things like that but um it's it's tricky because yes you're perhaps known for a particular style um but um i don't know i'm not sure i have one distinct style I perhaps try to vary it so that um i don't get uh, um stuck on just doing one thing perhaps and there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But uh, for me, I think I'd um, get bored if I had to do the same particular sculpture a yeah. hundred times oh, or yeah. something, sure. which is why I try to limit them to just nine of, of any. Oh, so it's not out of being limited edition, you know, major, major expenses. It's because you get bored and you're like, I don't want to. It's, yeah, it's not so much bored, <laughs> but, um, but e- equally, because I, I have so many works I want to create in you know the coming months mm. and uh, what have you. That um, I don't want to perhaps, I don't know, it's it's hard to describe, but um, get burdened with just doing that same work over and over and then not being able to do the works which I want to do next, if that makes any sense. It's a a balancing act because there's never enough hours in the day, you know, because it's just working, it's just me, um, there's never enough hours in the day. Mm -hmm. 
Does it? Does most of your work come as a, a customer says, I would like this, or do you produce the pieces, then people buy them? And I suppose with that as well, um, do you ever have to go looking for custom, or is that something people are like, I love your work, I want to have a piece of your work? Like, how does it work with yeah, your customers? I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm fortunate that I don't have to... Uh, people come to me generally. Um, I do do a, f- a fair amount of work, which... Um, like, like I say, I, I've created because I want to create that particular car. I love yeah. that particular car, so I want to do that. Um, and then people say that and can say, oh, can you do that this particular car in that in, in that style? And it's like, yeah, absolutely, that, that would work. Sometimes it won't always work, and I have to think around. It's like, well, let's do this slightly differently. But uh, generally, um, yeah, people generally come to me, I think. And who is, do you have a typical buyer? Who Or is it? Uh... Yeah, repeat customers. Yeah, who, I do. I, I do have some uh, very good repeat clients. I'm ha- I'm happy to say. Um, um, it, it's, it's anyone and everyone, really. I suppose. Um, what's really nice about doing this event and and every, any event that I do, um, it, it can really surprise you, and you have the most amazing chats with the, the, the people that uh, you you least expect. You mm. know, and um, and. Uh, people have always got great stories about the cars they've owned and that's what's really interesting about this industry it's not not just the cars it's the people and and their stories of ownership and uh, the trials and tribulations of them as well have you ever had anyone come to you and say have you made this particular model is it for example has ever someone ever come to you and say i've got a real strong personal affiliation with oh i don't know BMW Z3M coupes. <laughs> just uh, off just, the top just of your head. pluck that out of the sky. Um, is, uh, does that happen? Do people come along and say, can you make me a sculptor of, maybe not my car necessarily, but a Z3M coupe or other cars are available? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, um, yes, they do. Uh, not Great. that particular one as yet. yet. But, uh, Watch this yes. space, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, particularly if I, I think a, a, a car form, that particular car design would work yeah. um, as the inspiration for one of my pieces uh, and, you know, where it's it's styling, it's proportions and um, and, and designer, design cues can um, be transferred and, and interpreted in, 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 in a great way. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, we're so lucky, aren't we, in the car world, and especially when we get to the, the kind of geeky, nerdy levels for us, huge in-depth car fans i remember that brilliant game they used to play on top gear years ago the, the very first few series of the newish format where if you remember they would take a snapshot of a, a intricate part of a car and slowly zoom out and you had to guess and you say oh it's an indicator from a tt or something like that. and yeah we've, we've a lot of us probably a lot of people at home going oh yeah i was quite ashamedly quite good at that actually but we're all very good as car people at identifying very specific models of cars even years of yeah. cars by just a side profile or just a, a top-down profile or a rear shape. And they, without the definition of lights or windows, we just look mm. at it and go, oh, yeah, there's a Aston Martin Zagato. Or, you know, we, we just identify it. So it must be fascinating to uh, do, do you ever explore that and try and make a car look as vague as possible, but people are still like, oh, yeah, no serious money type, easy peasy. Yeah, it's nice to kind of strip it back to the basics. Yeah. Um, and, and almost imagine, I mean... I'm a kind of frustrated car designer in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, um, I, I actually applied to the uh, 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 um, to do the RCA course. And uh, looking back now, it's just like, what was I thinking? It was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, absolute rubbish. I was, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but with sculpture, you don't have those kind of um, 
the problems of functionality to worry about. So it's kind of just pure expression. And I, I try to think, um, particularly with the classic designs, you know, whether it be um, uh, a Gandini design or something mm. like that, try to think, well, the final car was, you know, a Muria is inherently beautiful, but yeah. it, um, but uh, modern designs, uh, obviously there's some great modern designs, you know, like the Valkyrie is, is a pure sculpture, if you like, sure. but still it has to conform to road regs, mm. things like that. Yeah. And, but without that, you try to think inside. I try to think... What was the designer? What was its initial sketch? Was it lower, sleeker, mm. lither before the need for ground clearance and the practicalities of ha having to have lights at a particular height yeah. and all those boring mm. elements, you know, and trying to strip it back to the basic form and uh, the design? We previously spoke with uh, Etienne Salomon, who was uh, famously one of the top designers for Bugatti and now is working on all sorts of different things, including yachts. And mm. um, I asked the question to Etienne and said, um, how would you, what would be your comparison as a car designer into, um, from the realms of the artistic side of designing a car in comparison to the artistic side of just creating art? And he gave a brilliant example of, in car design, you're working on grid lines or dots and all the dots must be joined. And in art, you have the freedom to just do whatever you want to do. So you're yeah. in... in with what you've just said, you've made it very clear that you're definitely the latter. You're yeah. the free form. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep yeah. those dots far away. <laughs> dots yeah. and straight lines. Yeah. I think I would, it, yes. I, I've got lots of friends um, who um, are from doing the Coventry Transport uh, course, um, which is uh, close to where I am. Um, lots of friends who work in the industry still and, mm. and also those that chose not to. And yeah. I think I would have being frustrated with all the rules and regs and it's just like, but what, but why but does why? an indicator have to be there? It <laughs> yeah, ruins the yeah. line, you know, it ruins the form. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. I think that'd be exactly the same. Yeah. I'd be too, be, I'd be too grumpy about somebody in a, in a suit going, sorry, but no, no, you can't, you can't put a 14 foot long wing on the back. I'm afraid that's just unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um, how has this event been for you? Because this has been the first ever Sleeping With Art event. And we yeah. know, I think, almost certainly there's going to be um, spin-off events by Renata in a, in, in a similar vein to this. And, of course, she's planning on bigger and better event for next year. Mm. Has, this been a, has this been, as you expected, better? Better. Or, yeah. Better. It's been great. It's been great. And uh, just for um, meeting the people, I mean, it's, a, it's a, an idyllic location, great setting for the events. Uh, at the Moore Estate, and um, and it, but it's it's about meeting people. It's about like catching up with uh, like friends, fellow artists, but yeah. also like I said earlier about meeting people and have those really interesting interactions with them and 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 learning um, things you didn't know about a particular um, uh, car or or what have you. Yeah. But um, and also some of the artists from overseas like um, Etienne Franzak yeah. and his wonderful lotus 25 which mm. i was i was so looking forward to seeing and, yeah. it, and it didn't disappoint it's fantastic he's a great guy as well so yeah, i've always been fangirling as well over the photographer rio cam so to, <laughs> to be able to come here and be inspired and and meet people yeah. in my case get yeah, people i admire their work of it's uh, it must be quite lovely and uh, for, uh, inspirational for you to be able to come here and be like oh that's cool i like the way you've done that and, you know to be able to actually up close see other people's creations is it inspirational or is it oh, i need to do this better or oh, i've got the, the the whole thing nailed like no <laughs> no it just what you say it's it's inspiration it really is inspiring and it's um and it's so great to 
meet all the other artists. I was joking with some of the others. It's like, it's like this is it's almost like an artist's uh, annual conference. We're all meeting <laughs> up, which we haven't had a chance to do in yeah. absolute ages. Yeah, but um, obviously, some of I know quite a few of the um, like uh, guys that are UK based. But it's really nice to meet. Um, like uh, like I said, Etienne and um, and some of the other guys from elsewhere, from Germany, from the US, etc. And it's but it is inspiring to see other people's work, and you kind of think, wow, and just look in admiration at that, and and yeah, that's what I think. It's the eclectic mix of of everything, mm-hmm. yeah, which is really great. It's nice, isn't it? I often think that when I when I meet fellow creatives, you do pick up an energy off other people, don't you? And and I think yeah. as you say, so many of us have been locked up in our own homes or our own studio spaces or um we've seen just some close relatives really it's not until you come to an event where there are other people like-minded people that think the same way that you think that don't quite conform to the usual societal ways of working that you then Mm -hmm. go oh yeah i'm i'm one of these people this makes sense i'm not uh, i'm not a complete lunatic because (laughs) i'm solely trying to make a living out of just creating things um yeah, yeah it's it, it's it's reaffirming isn't it when you're able to yeah. to rub shoulders with people that think the same way that you do it's really cool. yeah particularly when you enjoy something what you enjoy what you're doing and you're amongst like-minded people which have that uh, sort of commonality of overlapping interests um but that in itself is inspiring because you know you it doesn't feel like it's not work no. being here. It, it's it is obviously, and and it's um, meeting people and making connections as well. But I just enjoy it because it's uh, amongst like-minded people, and you can chat about art and chat about design and other things and cars and and get sometimes to a far too geeky level. But we'll gloss over that. <laughs> um, but you know, generally, just have really inspiring conversations, just having fun. Yeah. Cool. Fantastic. Well, this has been great. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. We will undoubtedly see you again. I I, I hope we're not going to wait a year before we see you at the next Sleeping With Art event, but we'll we'll see you out and about. Now, we usually record our podcasts, as our regular listeners will know, we record our podcasts at Caffeine and Machine on a Tuesday, and um, there's plenty of your work to be seen there, isn't there? It's, it's yeah. on the walls yeah. at uh, Caffeine and Machine, both in the um, on the ground floor around the kind of bar restaurant area, but also in some of the rooms um, and I and you also attend multiple events, don't you, where you showcase yeah. your work and sell your work. So I'm very fortunate. It's um, it's only 15 minutes from me. Perfect. And, uh, and I've I've been lucky enough to have my work there from when they started, which yeah. I think they're coming up to their three year anniversary now. They so, are. Yeah. yeah That's indeed. wonderful. So if people wanted to find your work, where they where can they find them? Uh, JohnnyAmbrose.com uh, and on Instagram, JohnnyAmbrose.artist. Um, um, so. Yeah, those are the things. And, of course, Captain Machine and various other places. So Go take a look and spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you. And there we go. That was Johnny Ambrose. Lovely, lovely, lovely man who has followed up since our conversation and said, when are you coming along to the workshop? And I think we should definitely oh, do that yes. and go down with some, uh, with some camera. cameras and things and just <laughs> have a look because I imagine it's full of wood dust and just cool bits of... 3D printed. I'm imagining it's going to be one of those, things. like, you know, mystical lights coming through. It's like a shard <laughs> of light through a top window somewhere. It'll probably be some really, like, high tech, super clean workshop or something like that. But, you know, girl can dream. Absolutely right. The camera. Find out soon enough. Well, I'm looking forward to the, our, our final conversation with Etienne Salomon. Sal- Salome? Salome. 
Etienne Salome. Salome? I think it's Salome. Salome. He yeah. did say this. He did. In the podcast <laughs> you're about to hear. Well, I mean, Etienne um, is an incredible designer. And whilst at Sleeping With Art, he and his team have produced this very exciting Series 1-looking Land Rover. Well, I suppose it's still a Defender, isn't it? But it's mm. got the, the, the lights are kind of closer together like you would find in in the the series one and interesting things such as no door handles which i thought was a beautiful design also no uh filler cap in the in the back and that's in the in the very very back kind of in the, the pickup area but you'll hear more about this car and the design and the thought process behind all of this because etienne started well a, a large part of his career was with the very beautiful bugatti yeah yeah absolutely etienne was responsible for having huge involvement in both the EB110, which is a real icon, uh, but then also onto the Veyron and, and into the uh, Chiron era as well. So as design cred goes, there aren't really many other iconic cars you can think of. Uh, so to go from Bugatti to now start designing his own products like this Defender and, as you were about to hear, yachts mm-hmm. as well, I think it's really cool. So, yeah, if you want to enjoy this conversation, if you want to have a look at Etienne's social feeds, uh, Etienne underscore gallery, E-T-I-E-N-N-E underscore gallery. That's what you're looking for. Again, if you're struggling, just have a look at our Driven Chat account and see who we're following. You'll see Etienne fairly close up to the top. So, yeah, enjoy this and we will speak to you for one last time in just a little bit. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Welcome back to the uh, Driven Chat podcast where I am sat here with my lovely colleague, John Marker, and our wonderful guest, Etienne. How are you doing? Very good. So Etienne Salome, I'm saying that right, is that correct? Has got a wonderful career behind him and also ahead of him. But uh, the thing I suppose people know you or may know you for is that you were a designer at Bugatti for 12 years. Is that correct? Correct. 12 years was my last sort of hoo-ha being the (laughs) La Voiture Noire in sort of the last Geneva Motor Show 2019 and uh, being sort of a one of one, thousand five hundred horsepower W sixteen quad turbo, and yeah, having been sold for more than seventeen million, wow. <laughs> so that's basically like you know being quite, uh, yeah, the top of my career at Bugatti, and then uh, yeah, after this, two thousand nineteen, I left the company to pursue like my own uh, drive and my own. I wanted to do for my life and um, because I always thought what am I going to do after this how am I going to yeah. beat that that's, I suppose that's the, one of the most difficult things about being such a success people who are successful in their careers once you reach the top of your career the thing that you think what well, you know as a child you might think one day I would love to be able to do I don't know this job or work for this person and then especially if you reach that goal quite early in your life you know maybe mid-30s then you think, well, hang on a second, what what do I go and aim towards now? So after you know being at Bugatti for that long and then thinking to yourself, okay, what is now my next goal, my next desire to, to try and achieve with my life? Was that something difficult to try and understand or was that something easy? It's not difficult to understand, but at least difficult to put an actual picture on it mm-hmm. as I'm like, you know, a designer, like super only visual person and... Uh, yeah, I communicate with my drawings and this is like, you know, my life. So then I thought, mm, what is it? How do I do something as a product like better than, than that car? Um, then I thought, okay, uh, if it's more luxurious, if it's 
more power if it's more it cannot be on the road and then i thought like okay i started my own company called uh, salome yacht and design and started to design my own yacht and it's called uh, atlantic by salome yacht and i presented it in 2019 as a concept during the monaco yacht show and then basically carried on and we're Nearly finished, you know, <laughs> and this nice. the last two percent is the most difficult one, and I can ensure that this is true. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully, we start the build um, in the, into the shipyard in the beginning of next year, and uh, yeah, maybe with a little bit of luck, you know, uh, being at the Monaco Yacht Show next year with my boat that bearing my name. I always dreamed, you know, I see some people that I worked with was like, you know. Uh, uh, Mate Rimac, or like mm. with, uh, I worked with the, in the interior of the Gemera mm. uh, with the team from Sasha Selipanov and, um, you know, working for Christian Koenigsegg. It was fantastic because for me, working for Christian was like actually working for Ettore Bugatti, but being alive. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. And, and then I realized, well, Christian company is 25 year old. Mate Rimac company, Rimac is like 10 year old. If they can do it, then I can. Yeah. And then it really strikes on me, okay, but if I do a new car company, there's already so many of them. Mm. And actually, you know, it's it's we arrive to like sort of like an intersection for car design, which is coming sort of, you know, uh, either right or left, you know. And then you would have the full electric, autonomous, semi-autonomous, you, you, you will have hydrogen, you will have all of those turned right, you know. But you will have some people that will always search for something as an experience, something more emotional, something that... And I think there is really two different paths for what is it, the future of the automobile. Um, and then if you think about it, it's like, you know, I get a little bit more geeky, but like Euro 7 uh, emission restrictions mm. and everything, this is making as an automotive designer a total headache. Yeah, there's so many restrictions. I suppose is it, is it difficult because sorry to interrupt, but we we talk about sometimes design at the moment of car design and concept cars are stunning, but then when we sometimes see the cars that go into production, we think, oh, that's a little bit disappointing sometimes, and it must be the most the most disappointing for you as the designers yourselves because you're like, no, this we have so many ideas that we want to be able to create, but all these legislations mean that we can't. Is that something you have to battle with every day? I guess I, when you work for a big OEM like you know Volkswagen Group. And mm. like, you know, which Bugatti uh, used to be part of that, you know, this is something you have to fight all the time. And this is, I had so many people asking me, why is it 17 million for a car? How come? And I, yeah, okay, there are some answers you can give, but I would like to be able to give like, you know, a telemate, uh, one-off or a few-off and, and that with a different, you know, solution. We are here and sleeping with art, like, you know, it's a small event, super cozy, like a lot of nice people. And I don't know, this is very enjoyable. And um, I'm here today to, um, well, yesterday we did the launch. So today we have the, the car as a Land Rover, sort of, you know, as a Defender. It's actually rebuilt by the company Arconic, which is two and a half hour drive from here. And, um, and that car is totally amazing. It's like the total opposite of like what I've done in the past which is always like more is more. And now it's actually the less but better. So you yesterday showed me around, at, as as you've just said, we're at Sleeping With Art, and you showed me around this Land Rover that you have 
changed and, and, and morphed into something very, very beautiful because we're very used to the Land Rover shape being a boxy kind of shape. But I think John has mentioned that it's sometimes Land Rovers, especially Defenders, no panel is ever truly flat. You, you look down mm. the light line and it's always a little bit wobbly, a little bit dented. But you look at your Land Rover that, that you've created and you've designed it in such a way that the every panel is is beautiful the lines are, are so sleek if you look down the side there's no door handles on the outside which i think is fantastic or, or or a petrol cap what was the thought process behind this land rover thinking you know what they're already quite simple machines but we can make this even more simple even more refined and, and unique what was the thought process at the beginning well uh defender is already very archaic and it's already very limited mm. you know so it's much more agricultural if i can say you know and uh, the moment you start to think from a design philosophy a design is finished when there's nothing left to take out then i went really to the extreme in sort of this Bauhaus movement and this idea of like well it's a machine in the end but the least you have the cleaner it will be the better it will be for the customer and in the end, you know, this is like still a 3.9 liter V8 with like a five-speed manual. And this would be intoxicating to drive. We were just planning to like, you know, do a photo shoot. And uh, we are speaking about being on the sand and being like with the fire and with like, you know, in evening and lights on. And, and this is really something that is making me happy. Because in the end, I have the feeling we're going to do, you know, this is a limited of five units of that car. And uh, this was really a big challenge to have the company Arconic to build this car. They have already 120 cars plus on order. The next two years fully, all their books are full. And then they said, no, Etienne, if you come to us, we'll, we'll find a way, we'll make it work. And I think that was really like, you know, super enjoyable to make that process of the last 12 months and, uh, and arrive with making the launch of the car here. And... Uh, I think one of my favorite parts of the car is obviously the front, which is inspired by like a Series 1, which has the completely closed uh, front fender. Mm. And, and I move the headlamps within the front mesh, which makes it like, you know, very dark area. And then you don't see even the headlamps, which is really like sort of a counterflow of what you would normally do on a modern car design where you would always place the light all the way to the outside with some daytime running light and creating width and creating like aggressivity and this car just does not need it. <laughs> and I have the feeling like, you know, with this car, I'm getting a little bit closer to this like motorcycle feeling and to all those things where, which I like. I like to do a product and I think like, you know, I would sort of uh, sum up this product as high cycling. So this is the chassis of a 1989 uh, Defender and it's completely, it had already a life. It had already, you know, and it's instead of recycling, we take it and we put it to the next level. We take it and we put it even more, like, you know, precise and even more, like, you know, of, of all the details. Um, and in the end, the whole sitting area is everything is trimmed with denim. I just have the feeling it's going to be like a nice bottle of red wine, just going to get better with the time. I appreciate yeah. <laughs> and And be appreciated. And, and yeah. in the end, it's just going to go better and better. It's not going to be something that needs to be done with recycling material. I just don't want to throw it away. Mm. Never. It's something that I would like. My daughter, Lucia, is eight years old. You know, How do I transfer to her this passion of the automobile? 
And I think that, you know, me and her going for a little drive on the beach, uh, like, you know, with the dog in the back and everything and, yeah, hitting the roads. And I think she'll get it. She'll get it why I am passionate about that. And I think it's important. Yeah. I'd like to explore just on that level. I know we don't have a lot of time with you, Etienne, but just on the basis that we're here at this art celebration we're surrounded by beautiful cars but of course beautiful sculptures and beautiful creations and artwork we've mentioned a couple of times in when talking to car designers and and on our recent radio shows we've discussed the collaboration between the design process of a car and the art world and of course it can be so easy for us as consumers to look at a new car that comes out and bugatti is a perfect example because of course the one thing that everybody gets excited about with bugatti is power power performance speed it's got you know the, the amazing W16 engine and it can not to 60 in this time and the stopping distance in this time. But often I feel the saddest part is whilst we all appreciate the form of a car, we can all say, oh, that's a good looking car or oh, I'm not sure about that. The actual process that goes into making that car look the way it does at the point that you are buying it in a showroom. How does that translate for you as a designer? Do you think of the process purely as a I've been given my job and this is what I'm fulfilled and here to do, or is it an artistic process in the same way that you would be if you were painting a picture or drawing a sketch of anything? Um, comparing uh, automotive art, which is design, mm. and uh, actually fine art is like really walking on thin ice. You know, mm. so like <laughs> it's a very, uh, you know, uh, sort of you know, uh, tricky question mm. you know? because obviously uh, uh, I'd like to tell you like I'm more an artist than a designer. You know, yeah. but then it always depends. Like you know, uh, it's just like a rope. You know, with like you know two ends. Like you can, if you pull on one side and the other one. So, all I have to say is that I believe the difference between uh, art and design is that design consider a white page with a few dots, mm -hmm. and you have to have the task to make a straight line. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have to make compromise. Some of the points you're not going to reach. Maybe the line will not be completely straight, but you know this is design. You have dots, and you have to make the line going through. With art, hey, you make it for yourself. Mm. The page is always completely white. There's never any compromise you have to do, and I think that is the biggest difference. So when you do a car, uh, there will be four wheels, there will be an engine, there will be the recommended, there will be restriction, there will be this, there will always be dots on your white page mm. and as much as you can get closer to art with automotive you know like hey a 250 gto is going to still be art on wheels you know but yeah. this is always like the way you see it with your own eyes of course and not like you know somebody else telling you it's the way you experience that and this is again why i like to make this new project which i've I have the feeling I'm making a better world, you know. Mm. I have the yes. feeling I'm making something that the customer is going to enjoy. The customer is going to sit in that defender and go like, wow, now, now I feel really good. I have my hair, like, you know, in the wind. And mm. I get my daughter is with, my dog is in the back. Like, everything is under control. I have the sound of the V8. I just feel this would be a great experience. And so, yeah, I think that's... Good sum up of I like it. where I am and, and what am I doing those days, like, you know, experienced designer. I love the, the emotional side to, to why you design and the thought mm. process that you have in that. And yeah, the, the image of you and your daughter and your dog, that's, I think, is something that people don't always think about when they're thinking about either buying their car, it might be for a performance reason or for practicality, but 
less so for an emotional reason. I really like that's the way that you've designed that Land Rover. So thank you so much for sharing with that. And, yeah. uh, well, I always, as a last word, you know, I always, when I do design, I always design for myself. <laughs> and, and I always think, if I would like it, you know, then chances somebody else would like it is pretty high. That awesome. sounds great. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. Pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. joining us. And there we go. That's this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, dear listener. We are all still here with you and we're all going to say a big collective thank you. Thank you. Oh, there's pressure. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, those were chats I wanted to be in, but I'm really pleased to have heard them. Nicely done, you two. Yeah, it was good fun. Shall we tease a little bit of next week's show or, or should we just hang fire? And I, know, I say tease. Go for it. Do a tease. Oh, no. Now you're looking at me like to, to, to tease it. Well, I mean, it is going to be, yeah, it is me chatting with, um, oh, I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll drop it in there. I've uh, started a little thing called a, a, an E-type restoration workshop, which um, so far I've not really talked too much about. So next week we're going to be, well, when I say we, I'm going to be chatting with my both partner and business partner, um, William Haynes. And if you are a Jaguar fan... You may also already know the the name William Haynes, but not my other half, but the grandfather of William, um, who was the chief engineer of Jaguar when Jaguar became Jaguar. So it's very nerdy. There's lots of chats about history <laughs> and E-types and Jaguars as a whole. So if this sounds like your kind of thing, do tune in next week. And uh, yeah, we're going to chat to you from the workshop. I think this is really exciting. Mm. There will be no John Markar and yeah. no me. It's just Amy and her partner telling us all about it from the ground up. So for those of you, we, we get lots and lots of people that sort of share with us that they're new to the industry, they want to weigh in. Lots of people obviously follow because of Amy with her photographs and so on. Some people ask about broadcasting and things like that. Some people just want to know what it means to be a car expert like John Markar. <laughs> but there are plenty of you that I'm sure, even if you just have a passing interest in what it is like taking an empty space and filling it with machines that you're converting and everything that entails, from the unexpected bills to the oil on the floor, well, Amy's living it right now, so she's going to share it with you next week. That will be next week's Driven Chat podcast. Good luck. I can't wait to hear yeah, it. Same. Bye then. Bye. <laughs> the Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end, the very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.